Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. This is episode number 95 and I'm Ryan McLeod. Hopefully everyone is doing well, holding up. Um, yeah, I suppose that's about all you can really ask for these days. Um, it's all just a bit bizarre. Um, but this week I'm joined by Paul Galt, who is the programme lead uh, of digital interaction design at TJCAD. Um, he's sort of gone full circle from being on the course to sort of doing a whole bunch of different things during his career to coming back to then being programme lead. Um, so he's in quite an interesting position. Um, he's got quite a nice perspective on that as well and sort of what what he feels um, is important to sort of teach that next generation of designer that um, he'll be helping mould and, and sort of send out into the world. So we chat about that. Um, we also chat about a few of his side projects, of audio-based side projects. Um, that I suppose he started when he was here studying and doing his PhD in the form of Nilk, um, which was sort of a series of gigs and events which um, sort of... Uh, were done in pubs initially and then they he built up a relationship with the botanic gardens and then put them on there so this sort of building the, um this idea of the, the sort of music-based side project and then um we talk about risono which is this sort of amazing uh project where the uh, paul and a few others found uh some really amazing echoey spaces in scotland and then took um their equipment sort of around and did some performances and some recordings and yeah it's just I'm just going to check it out the links in the show notes um but yeah so that's a mixed bag of different stuff for this week um yeah I mean before we get into the episode we last last week no this week um this week we launched design game show um so if this podcast isn't fun enough you can have even more fun on the internet um just follow at Design Dundee and it's all happening in their stories. Um, so it'll be happening, well, I suppose, today if you're listening to it, to the podcast, the day it goes out. But maybe you're not. Um, so we're going to sort of do it over the next few weeks, working with um, the UNESCO City Design team um, and a few others to put it together. And it's just going to be a bit of a laugh, a bit of fun. Uh, come and win some prizes, play all your favourite game shows. Um, yeah, a little bit of escapism on Instagram stories and some ridiculous fun. Uh, yeah, so come and join us. Um, what have you got to lose? Um, yeah, and I haven't, I didn't mention it last week, but I'm still looking for your questions for episode 99, sort of ask me anything. Um, so if you do have any questions for that, I'm probably going to have to get around to that soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, let me know. Uh, it's at ccc.dundee on Twitter and Instagram. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee um yeah but let's get into the episodes this is number 95 with paul gold so i think if you want to if you're kind of thinking about a journey and where 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 did it all begin but i suppose the thing that i've got um where i'd started and i think it it's got like a good, it kind of, it carries on till today, is uh, when I was, I think, 13, I, I did a, a community website for the village that I come from up in the northeast of Scotland um, in Aberdeenshire called Rose Hearty. Uh, so <clears throat> it was called Rose Hearty Community Web. Um, and I think it basically was me learning how to make websites and 
you know, getting my head into little bits of coding and um, working with images and all this kind of stuff, but doing it as a way to like raise the profile of the village and, you know, but then also kind of getting into like understanding the kind of history of the place and, um, and then, but then highlighting things that were happening at the moment. Um, so yeah, my, like my dad was on the community council and I, I suppose that was like something that, you know, that I kind of then had a bit of a connection into some level of like decision making in the village as much as a community council is able to do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's 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 a little bit of an anom- anomaly now because, you know, we've got like social media and different platforms and stuff like that. But at the time in the kind of it was basically like the late 90s. I started in 1997, actually, and was in the, on the front of the local newspaper. Uh, Paul puts Rosarty on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that, that helped me to develop some skills at the time. And also, I think, yeah, just getting an early experience of like trying to do something like fairly self-initiated um, with started off working with my brother on it but then I kind of did a bit more um and then then also tried to get other people from the village involved in in sort of helping to make I suppose content for it or um yeah doing that kind of thing so that was that was as I say sort of late late 90s which makes me sound very old (laughs) um and then I really, from there, um, went to FE College um, and studied a few different things, like a, a mixture of, I did like a, a computing course and then I did a an art and design course and then at, at the time there was a newly established kind of multimedia HNC, which was that sort of blend of the two. But... I was yeah the kind of first year of intake through that and and that was yeah just an an interesting kind of experience and kind of getting to know um some of the things that I'm really kind of passionate about getting to explore different types of yeah like video and sound and 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 how you can kind of bring them together in a sort of engaging way and then <clears throat> I think whilst whilst at Ethy College even though I'd been you know been there a couple of years I still had a sense that I wanted to go to art college or art school um just because I could see like yeah I'd I'd see the value in um being in an environment like that and and what you might be able to learn through it um so I yeah kind of kept a kept an eye out for different things that were you know different opportunities that were available and I don't know how how I actually found it in the end but I heard about this new course that was starting called interactive media design and um you know and and maybe you know a, a potential barrier to to get into art school and especially at, at that age you see is like that like having like a really strong portfolio um and you know i've got 
I suppose I had kind of keen interest in photography, but I wasn't sure if the wider kind of creative skill set that I had the perception that I needed, I would be able to kind of produce a portfolio to get into like a, a foundation year, kind of competing I mean, with that. Like at that time, a portfolio was very much a classic big black folder with yeah. um, lots of life drawn and like exploration sketches and yeah yeah that kind of thing and I, I don't I think a lot of my work was very computer based potentially you know I, though I did like it was amazing at FE College I think yeah we'll, we'll, we'll maybe see a, you know like it's, it's a bit of a recurring thing for, for a wee while anyway at that age I, I ended up getting like access to sort of fairly new courses or new facilities so at the time they just built a new um, art department at Banff and Buchan FE College, so the the tutor just let us have free reign into the darkroom um, and just went use as much paper as you want, use as much film as you want, you know. So I just, uh, you know, I just, I just, I did, <laughs> and just spent, you know, quite a while. And I, th- I think there was something having, you know, having spent a fair bit of my youth using a computer to then get into like an analog process of black and white photography and the you know the all of the things that can go wrong in the darkroom <laughs> in terms of like getting your film processed and and then turning it into um something that's yeah that's like kind of fairly strong visually um but all of the all of the all of the tools that you kind of see in like photoshop how they're actually based on you know all the metaphors and everything that's there is actually comes from the darkroom you know like cropping and but then how you do that physically yeah so that was all i think just getting into that mindset was was really good i think that um getting away from the computer and learning those physical processes of of design some of them that are more traditional i mean like for me even just uh, we did a little bit of letterpress with uh, john eason who came on the podcast um, yeah. and kevin sinclair and just even going through that and learning about things like the terminology it's fascinating because you, you you sort of accept that that's just a just what, what it's called. called and yeah. you don't really look at like, why is yeah leaden called leaden well actually because it used to be literal lead that they'd put in between the type to space it out yeah and just like those little sort of um bits of information where it actually just you, the sort of light bulb moment yeah like that's where this comes from yeah like, yeah, 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 yeah. questioned that weird word before <laughs> but now, now i know why yeah um yeah, so uh, no, I was progressing into yeah. I suppose finding out about this course that was at Dundee and um, at, at that time it was. Am I right in thinking you were the first? You applied for the first intake of that. Yeah, that course. It was the, the very yeah. beginning. So, of so there wasn't any. You know, there wasn't any like work to look at from previous years or what you might do now is like go to a degree show and then see oh there's a few courses going and that's the one that I want to do because that's what I want to that's what I want to get to or something so the, the that wasn't there which was yeah I suppose really exciting because um because you you kind of got an opportunity to just take it where you want to and there's there's nothing that's kind of preceding preceding you for that yeah I, I suppose I should set a little bit of context that I also studied that the same course interactive media design and i so i would have been three years after you Mm -hmm. so and when i came that was the first time the course had had a full four years so there's sort of three years like yeah full years before you um 
And I'm interested to find out what, so what was it that, that made you think, yeah, I'm going to do that? Because I know what it was for me. Uh-huh. And I'm kind of interested to find out what what grabbed you and thought, yeah, this is definitely, definitely it. I think it was because at the time there was such a, such a, a big emphasis on interdisciplinarity, um, as in it wasn't because it was a, a jointly delivered program from um, the School of Applied Computing and then the School of Design or Duncan Johnston. Um, so, like, it it wasn't like a half and half. Well, no, sorry, I'm saying that wrong. It, it was a half and half in terms of, you know, and at that time, I suppose, because it was brand new, um, they were trying to, you know, give you as much as possible on both sides. Whereas it, I suppose, for some some pro some programs that you might go and do you it could be very much a lot of computing with a bit of design or a lot of design with a bit of computing but for that it seemed really well blended because you had expertise from both sides mm. um so that was the thing that hooked us in as well as just yeah i suppose that opportunity to then be in that art school environment and be around other types of disciplines and other yeah kind of so artists um and yeah other kind of designers and, and and things like that um and at that early stage i suppose kind of in retrospect um well I, you know i was really kind of really into video and creating video you know content but i'd i'd grabbed the video camera when I was, I was really, really lucky. I got some like inheritance money, um, so I, I bought myself like a fairly high-end camera at the time, and so I'd had a, a fair bit of experience of making, um, you know, well using a camera and getting getting together some some okay-looking material. Um, I, I suppose it's a lot. It was you know a lot of like more reportage sort of documentation rather than like filmmaking and, and everything that that involves um but so that that program as well enabled me to use that those skills as part of my kind of design process um which you know i can make sense of now but at the time i don't i don't know if I, that was i completely had my <laughs> head around the, the role that video plays in as a tool mm. you know so sort of fast forward to the, the sort of end of that degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you show at um, that first first ever degree show for interactive media design? Um, okay. Yeah. So it's called um, my honours project was called Biscuit Profiling, which was a tool and method for communicating about disability to designers, um, and. Yeah, it was kind of engaging with a few different sort of participatory um, design techniques, um, kind of using kind of workshops with people that have um, some kind of impairment, or um, and 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 asking them to kind of show their or tell a story about some of the barriers that they might face um, because of their yeah because of because of their disability but and then visualizing that on a a kind of little it was a kind of gingerbread template um and then 
but then I suppose that was some interesting like vid- media materials, but but the kind of getting it into sort of more of an interactive space, I sort of put it together into a little uh, tool that was kind of screen based, and as you scrolled through the different um, gingerbread, you could hear the voices of the people who had spoken about their kind of story sat alongside that. Um, but the purpose of it all was to sort of try and bring um, some of those stories into the design process for designers that are, you know, maybe um, haven't haven't considered some accessibility issues as part of their their work. And I think you know, I think it's it's much better now in terms of like you know a culture around inclusive design and and you know there's still lots of work to do but I, I was trying to trying to make it a bit more of a something in, engaging for designers to to use as part of their kind of creative process or like as a as a constraint or as a, you know as something which then they can I, I suppose instead of like accessibility guidelines which can get fairly dry um so um yeah so that was my that was my kind of degree show and then i suppose after that i spent uh, a couple of years um yeah i did a bit of traveling kind of went around um see some relatives that were in new zealand and, and kind of things like that and saw a few different places um and off the back of that, I suppose I just got a sense of like wanting to, yeah, wanting to come back to Dundee. Really, you know, just seeing uh, I've been to been to like it's not like I'd gone and lived in lots of different places. More a, a wee bit of traveling, but from that, I kind of felt like oh, it's actually a, a good fit for me in terms of like a city scale that's not too big um, and overwhelming, but then it's not. Um, yeah, but then it's not a, a small village in the northeast of Scotland, which I do still um, think of fondly. But yeah, there wasn't very much going on. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I decided to, well, I was given the opportunity to do a PhD and I thought it was it would be a good good move just because I'd, I probably with that degree show project, it is it's wasn't necessarily hugely commercial mm-hmm. so we kind of had a sense of no actually i've got some some you know interest to to pursue um and that's i think you know that's most most of my uh, yeah most of the time I've, I've just kind of pursued what i'm interested in rather than necessarily what i think would be like a good career move or anything like <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so that that sort of gave me another um another kind of run at then yeah I suppose developing as more of a, a a researcher um but then using design within that you know process so kind of practice um but then i suppose i thought i was on that kind of design trajectory but at the same time i was yeah just really interested in people's experiences and how um, that can be kind of brought into that design process. Uh, so that that led me into this more kind of space of like design, ethnography, and 
Do you want to explain yeah. a little bit about what ethnography is? <laughs> it's not a very widely known term, I uh-huh. suppose. Um, so it's got its roots in anthropology, you know, really so. And ethnography is like the text that is produced from an anthropological study. Um, so, so yeah, so thinking about how that has a role to play in 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 the way that things are designed in the 21st century. Um, so studying kind of cultures and using, um, you know, understanding the kind of rituals and the behaviours of people and, and thinking about how that can develop some insights which are, you know, valuable for designers or valuable for decision makers and any type of um yeah kind of informing kind of strategy or policy or anything at, at, at that level so i suppose that was yeah it's it's an offshoot i suppose i see it as an offshoot from design for me but then it's actually a whole other field and you know it, there's I suppose I'm kind of jumping about a little bit, but if you're thinking about what I, what I was kind of really into kind of computing and design, and that was like interactive media design, but that gave me this kind of thing of like just working across different disciplines. So I've, I've kind of almost felt, well, I kind of feel like I've, I've gotten quite good at that or and using people as a as a way to have a conversation um, across a wide, wide range of like different different types of, um, yeah, disciplines or sectors or or anything like that. I think I, yeah, and I, I think for a designer, that's absolutely key. Yeah, is being able to sort of understand the languages that are sort of spoken or the, the like even the the terminolo- terminology or the functionality that. Um, happens within different disciplines. Yeah. Um, if you're able to sit around a table and actually act as a go-between or as a sort of, um, you can sort of facilitate that that conversation much better. And I think you can. I think if you have that understanding of of other people's practices and yeah. these other areas, then you can actually be a lot more sympathetic to to like the requirements of the project and how you push things forward. And then it's sort of that there's the sort of the cliche of just oh just like it's someone asking just do this but they have no idea of, of what what that really entails or just move this to there or do mm-hmm. that or, or make that talk to this and it's like it, in that sort of high level it seems simple but mm-hmm. until you understand what what lies beneath and what the technology does and actually what that requires and then the the implications of that in the wider context it's like it's understanding all of that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The the role of design and and where that can kind of reach across lots of different levels. Um, yeah, and it's not just like that bit at the end to make things look nice, or you know, you know. There's definitely there's so much more about doing it kind of upfront. And yeah, I've been kind of thinking recently about how sort of really powerful that can potentially be. So, I've, yeah, I've I've maybe I've I've missed a step in my <laughs> in my journey, but I was going to say that whilst I was doing um whilst I was kind of waiting up for my PhD to start, I also did some volunteering, at um and it was only for it was it was um a project Scotland placement for like three months that but it was up at the Botanic Gardens here in Dundee, 
and I was like their kind of graphic designer. Um, and I, I really just loved kind of going to the botanic gardens like every day and, you know, working, um, you know, working on various bits of graphics for their like interpretation and um, wayfinding and their kind of leaflets and their sort of promo stuff. Um, but that that helped me to kind of build up a bit of a, a working, a strong kind of working relationship with the curator there at the time. Um, and whilst I was there, um, I I managed to, well, I just, I saw that they had like a space in their kind of greenhouse, um, in their temperate glass house, I should say, that um, I thought it would be quite good just to do some, some kind of do a music thing. Um, so one of my one of my friends had, well, a couple of my friends had a sort of ambient sort of music thing going at the time called Mast. Um, so they went and did a set on a sort of Saturday afternoon just in the, the, the glass house. But that was really, um, that was really fun, you know, and just kind of thinking, oh, right, this is by volunteering for a few months, I've then built up enough kind of trust that they would say, oh, yeah, go ahead, you know, with your mates and, and have a wee gig or, or something like that. Um, and yeah, so I think from that, that just kind of gave me a bit of, I suppose, kind of confidence in thinking about kind of how you can organize sort of small events or sort of, I think there's something about as a, yeah, a designer that, yeah, making, creating these kind of spaces for people to come together and, um, collaborate or find an audience or something like that. So that, yeah, I think that started off something um, which, whilst I was, you know, my PhD did go on a bit of a journey itself, which I'm not going to try and explain <laughs> now, but one of the kind of elements of it was um, I was sponsored by NCR, who are based, who've got a research and development facility based in Dundee. So, so some of the, the initial brief was looking at like encouraging um, sharing and interaction in public spaces because NCR do self-service technologies and pretty well known to, to say the least. Um, so yeah, so I suppose that was like, yeah, thinking about how can you encourage social act interaction in public spaces. So bringing these two things together, <laughs> I, I then worked with a, a friend um, who, and she had done time-based art um, at um, Duncan and Jonathan the same year as us um, called uh, Cat. And so we, we started putting on like a sort of small um, like music event, just, well it was music and art and it was just like a sort of thing in a, a downstairs in a, one of the, the pubs on the Perth Road. Um, and we did that for like three months and it was a mixture of like kind of acoustic acts and then maybe like a, a DJ and then like a band and then we had like an open screen where you could, you know, come and show a video or, you know, do a, a wee performance or something like that. So having done that for a few months and then chatting with Kat, we decided to do a, a lot of, well, it kind of quickly grew into like a sort of small like micro, well, a small micro. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to make it sound like 
as insignificant as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, I think up at the Botanic Gardens because I'd had this good experience the year before. And so, so yeah, so we did that and it was called Nilk. Um, so it was Nilk was the event that we we put on in 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 the downstairs and in the, in the in the kind of pubs but then we we, we call it Nilk at the botanics um and i think yeah we did it was it four four years um and that was in september but we kind of tried to time it with linking in with like when students had come back from the summer break um and then encouraging you know a bit of interaction between you know I suppose sort of people that are new to Dundee and those that have, have been here a wee while and kind of creating like a nice kind of cultural space for that um, and then also just even in the bill that we had we had kind of probably more like just I suppose like less established acts and and kind of just mates coming and playing a wee set um, alongside, you know, then trying to work a few contacts and getting some slightly bigger names and things like that. Um, and, yeah, and it was really great fun, actually. We worked with a lot of different partners, I suppose, um, you know, through things that were going on at the time. Like, I think there was, like, Ickle Film Festival and Dundee Jamboree, um, which was, you know, looking at this kind of um, pop-up shops and all these kind of craft kind of movement of selling um, things that people had made. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose that was just like, that gave me some really good experience of, you know, like project management and and then trying to do something as, and, and but then still trying to keep it like fun as well <laughs> and it not turn into too much like, um yeah too much like work <laughs> um yeah kind of i, I know this is a, this is a bit like trying to do big leaps back and forth but the thing with the the rose Hearty website was <laughs> <laughs> was that it was great because i just did it myself and maybe my brother and you know and then in, in and occasionally would would you know get work with people to kind of add stuff in and i think that was the great element of it and so the thing at the botanics as well was fairly self-initiated and it was just working with mates and doing something positive and it wasn't and it, yeah it was trying to keep it less less about like meetings and and more about just trying to do something positive um yeah so like the experience that i got off the back of that was was really really valuable and i suppose yeah just kind of connecting in like thinking about the, the community of people in dundee and sort of so so many talented kind of artists and and how you that space up up the road in the botanic gardens could be like a, a really good platform for that um it sounds it sounds really nostalgic now because yeah it was like seven years ago when, <laughs> when we did that which so so it's, you're kind of looking back on it but yeah i think i i got a fair bit from it at the time um, and then at the same time that we did the last event, I actually submitted my PhD thesis, which was bizarre timing, to be honest. Um, but then I, off the back of that, I went and did a um, an internship up at 
um, Aberdeen University, there was a, a thing established there called the Dot Rural um, Digital Economy Research Hub. And so that was kind of getting into more, yeah, sort of having, having done the PhD, I was then able to quite quickly get um, a role as a, as a, as a postdoc, which was, was quite lucky, I would say. Um, but that, again, that then led me more into, I suppose, leaving Dundee behind for, for a wee bit um, and thinking about like the projects that I worked on there was more with like kind of transport systems researchers and data scientists and, and things, which is, yeah, I, I suppose in that kind of trajectory of interdisciplinarity and things, it was just like widening up that again, but then kind of playing that sort of being a designer and uh, ethnographer and and bringing those kind of participatory techniques into the kind of research process was was really yeah th yeah that was that was a, a really good experience as well um and then uh, after that so yeah i worked at dot roll for a couple of years but then that started to finish and just because it's the nature of research and you know there's funding available and then there's then that sort of dries up so I went and worked at Young Scott as a um, as a co-design manager and I, I worked there for like three three years three, well th three and a three quarter years so almost four years <laughs> what was I mean uh, what was the attraction f of Young Scott for you I think yeah the working with yeah working with young people um, that was the thing that I had started to do some I'd started to kind of initiate some research projects up at Aberdeen and had young people as a focus as part of that. Um, so then I realised, yeah, again, that's something that I'm interested in. Um, so how can you give young people a voice? And having, you know, had that experience at an early age of trying to, you know, show how I can have a positive effect on the community and, and things like that. So I felt like, and I'd been really lucky in, in the opportunities that I'd had, but then kind of realizing that some young people might not be as fortunate. So how could you kind of provide some, um, yeah, a platform or some support to help young people have a voice and influence, um, and, you know, one of the amazing things about Young Scott is just how well regarded it is in terms of as an organization and kind of connecting in with different like partners across Scotland and thinking about that kind of national national level. Um, so, you know, doing a lot of work with Scottish government, but then also Creative Scotland, um, Sports Scotland, um, yeah, SQA, you know, like a huge, huge array of yeah, different different partnerships, uh, Scottish Natural Heritage. Um, so, yeah, having been in in this kind of academia world for a bit, it was really it was nice to get just a different type of environment for a while and go and kind of experience that um, way of working and yeah, just doing. I, you know, I suppose what I'm fundamentally thinking about is like impact and, and how you can have that positive impact. And there's much more of an emphasis on in that within academia now, like as in 
the you know what's the, the impact of the research that you're doing so being able to kind of go and do that like just impact as much as possible <laughs> you know so that was a real kind of attraction as an organization like what is the what's the remit what are the goals of of young scott um so they're the national citizenship and information charity for young people aged 11 to 26 in Scotland um so their their kind of strategy that they've got at the moment has a few different strands but one of them is about empowering um empowering young people to influence decision making on a kind of local national and global level um but also they're you know i suppose when you explain young scott to people um the, the thing that they think of first is the young scott card and and how that kind of opens up various kind of discounts um and access to entitlements so that's you know that's the thing that is well that it's very visible visible in kind of out on the street kind of thing but but there's also a lot of really positive work it does in terms of online um information and and content for young people to help them be informed and kind of connected to things that are going on um but then the big, you know, well, my my area of work whilst I was there was all around empowering young people. Because, I mean, how you said your, your role was, was co-design. Uh-huh. Um, how central is design within that sort of organisation? Yeah, I think, yeah, design, you know, like I, I suppose uh, how design can influence decision making. Um, so using that design process and but then taking whether that's, you know, taking young people through that process, but then also stakeholders. Um, so whether that's, you know, different local authority partners or um, other types of organisations and the people that work for them, for them, like all going through it in a, you know, with that kind of co-design and co-production. Um, and so, yeah, so every everyone has got a voice in that process and can kind of influence it. Um, yeah, so there's a the kind of big move. I think nationally, you can kind of see people um, within, well, I suppose, the public sector and third sector at least getting a a a, a good um, kind of grip on how design can really be powerful for. Um, doing things in a more inclusive uh, inclusive way but then also getting um kind of outputs and outcomes which are, are are much stronger because of that i do some events that yeah like workshops where there's a meaningful conversations happening um between people which are fairly um senior in their different roles that they might work but then but creating the kind of conditions that they can feel like they're able to listen to young people about what they want and that, but then young people likewise are able to to share um their experience and because sh- i mean that, that that's not the norm that's not how society is structured right mm. you have young people and the young people need to learn and then yeah. you've got the ladder you become more experienced you then become this sort of oracle figure when you become old in position of power yeah and the there's not that direct line of communication between the heads of organisations and 
like young people. No, that, that's not a normal thing that 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 happens. No, no, yeah, and that's what like I think Young Scott does really well, as in sort of having a variety of models to enable that to happen. Um, yeah, and and maybe having you know having spent almost four years working working there, you kind of think like this is the new norm. This is how this is how it's going to be done from now on. Um, but actually, there's still a fair bit of work to do in a lot of places um, to 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 make sure that you know like things are approached in this way that engages you know and it's uh, it's young people but then to broaden it out it's kind of citizens or the the, the voices of um, the people who are important and and that's not just the decision makers but it's it's everyone so yeah creating spaces for those to happen for that to happen and i mean you're it's obviously this is your just a full-time position but yeah. the music stuff still going along in the background um and was it like sort of around about the, the same time you're at young scott that sort of risano um, came to fruition okay yeah so I've, I've totally missed out a whole bit <laughs> <laughs> but i was gonna yeah the whilst I was working up at Aberdeen, I did a like apply. Um, you know, I, I started because maybe being in Aberdeen, you know, was working maybe in less of a kind of creative space as as much. I would say, you know, because it wasn't necessarily surrounded by artists and things like that. So I worked with a couple of friends to and we we kind of came up with a um well just a kind of working as a kind of small studio of kind of artists designers musicians to um to to do to do a, a few projects um and so that kind of gave me that kind of creative outlet in terms of like a practice um so yeah so we established a small record label called esk and and we did yeah, well, one of the projects was um, called Resino, and that was looking at traveling around different kind of acoustic spaces and locations ar around Scotland, and going um, and and using a technique called impulse response, um, which was this idea of capturing the acoustic of the space. Um, and then creating sounds or music music compositions which are um, not kind of sympathetic but also make use of that acoustic um, as as part of you know as part of the the the, the kind of the sound of the, the kind of composition and things like that so yeah so that was a you know great chance to sort of work with you know again working with friends so working with um, friends kind of Sam Craig and Scott and and getting around getting around Scotland a wee bit so that that actually that was pre young Scott that we did the most of the research for that but then we did the performances um, so we did a, a show at the Cooper silo in Fife um, and it's amazing like inside it's great now because I go past it on the train every day and I just think of like how it sounds inside there and it does sound like you're on like another planet just because there's this like 30 second echo it's over 30 seconds um and the kind of sound that 
sort of goes up into the space and 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 just kind of hangs there for for such a long time. So to what if you describe it a little bit, just to people who maybe haven't seen it, like the actual the, space itself, the silo. Okay, so it's like this huge concrete cylinder, um, that, and then inside it, um, there's a sort of you go in, um, and there's obviously it was used to be the bit where there was the conveyor belts and the grain would have dropped down onto the conveyor belts and then would have been taken out. So there's lots of little kind of pipes coming down from the ceiling. But then when you can go up a ladder and then inside there, there's just lots of, yeah, it's quite dangerous in a way because there's lots of holes in the floor and you can like step into them. But we we made it safe for the performances and had it kind of cordoned, cordoned off. And um, my friend Scott is very handy with a chainsaw. <laughs> so he, he cut loads of like circular um uh, bits of bits of wood just to sort of make sure that some of the holes were covered and things like that. So yeah, the, like but the actual sound, I suppose we just like when we first went in there and it was it was just like just dropping big bits of wood on the floor <laughs> and weeping and clapping and all this kind of stuff just because it's just yeah there's just something amazing about that sound that keeps on going. It's it's it is like being on another planet or I've never been on another planet, but. That I, you know, it feels there's something like definitely extraterrestrial <laughs> about it. I don't know. But then, I mean, yeah. it's it's a sort of a space that you don't experience because we you sort of live our lives in these yeah well insulated buildings yeah with lots of furniture and stuff inside them. So we don't you don't really appreciate the like the the quality of echoes and things like that yeah. in a normal like day-to-day life no you yeah you don't go around yeah as kind of uh totally like yeah assessing those kind of things but yeah so but i do i've, I've now got the bug that you know whenever i go through a wee tunnel under a, an underpass <laughs> or whatever I start clapping and weeping and stuff like that just to yeah kind of get the sound from that because i think i mean the only, fun. the only thing i can really compare it to is like uh like westward works have you right been in there, yeah, I mean, like it's yeah. a vast concrete space. Yeah, and I just remembered like Sean Parkinson running around, like clapping and whooping and, yeah. and just enjoying the like the echo of that vast uh, empty space. Yeah, which yeah, you just don't find yourself in generally. No, um, yeah, no, that's a that's a really good example. I think it, yeah, it was great kind of working working with Sam and Scott and Craig on the on the whole thing. Um, and I suppose now now we're at that that point of like having uh you know a band camp set up and being able to sell some of some some of the records and yeah just having i suppose at the end of the whole project the process but having some sort of tangible artifact that you're able to kind of point to i felt felt was really so did you record the, the live performance and then released it yeah, on yeah the so final? so they did three performances on um and then yeah recorded i think we recorded all of them but recorded you know, one of them is then got pressed to vinyl. Um, so even this is getting into, you know, but even having an audience in there, so we had like 30, 30 people in there, but that changed the acoustic as well because, you know, people's bodies would absorb some sound. So we didn't have more than 30 people in there. But so, but then that's quite interesting that, that that's their presence has then affected what the record sounds like and, and all of this kind of thing. So, yeah. And so, uh, after the, the the Cooper Silo, did you take that elsewhere, or? Um, yeah, so we also did a show at 
the St. Mary's Cathedral in Edinburgh. And that was, as you know, because that was easier in a way because it wasn't this like industrial space that you're trying to make safe and, and things like that. So it was, it was, um, but, but then also equally like it was a great experience because you were, you know, kind of using like, I suppose, you know, like a, a church space is got a traditional use for it <laughs> of like you know worship so yeah so it was good good to kind of go in there and, and try and and do something a bit different and yeah and again we got a really positive um uh response from the audience and i think we just did we just actually just did one performance of that but then we was able to have more people in there because it was yeah a, a bigger space as well so i'd yeah i'd really recommend just even without there being a performance there or anything just it's an, it's an amazing building in in edinburgh it's quite near haymarket yeah just the kind of gothic architecture and things like that um yeah so we so that there was there that was the sort of so the two public ones but then as part of the o overall research process we also went to like there's a reservoir over in wormit um there's a the cathedral caves on the island of egg um, and then there's the place that was at the start of the project was most, um, we kind of had it as a bit of a target, was um, the inching down oil tankers up in the highlands. So they were built during the war to store fuel, um, but uh, um, a few years ago, um, I think there's a there's a, a kind of researcher audio person called Trevor Cox who he he kind of managed to get inside it um, and you have to kind of go through a pipe um, you have to almost get slid like a, a giant pizza <laughs> down <laughs> down this pipe on a tray to then go inside um, and it's got the world's longest echo in it basically it's like over a hundred seconds. Wow. Um, so we actually went and met with Trevor down in uh, uh, down in Salford right at the very outset of the project, um, which was great actually because we got to go to like there's an anaconic chamber, which is the, the total opposite of what we were doing. Is the it's a room that has no acoustic in it whatsoever. Um, yeah, and so got to just kind of chat with him, and he just gave us some advice on how you would, you know, do anything in that space because it's absolutely minging. Um, it's like, you know, like there's still bits of oil and things and totally dark and, and all of that. Because like in terms of the, the tech setup that you're yeah. taking it to produce the sound, what what is that like? It was some, just a sort of Meyer sound system. So just pretty, pretty beefy speakers. Um, and then... Um, yeah, microphones. Um, so then, positioning those speakers in a way to try and get the most from the space, um, and then yeah, microphones to then capture the impulse response, and also if you're playing, you know, a composition to record that composition and how it sounded in the space. And is that a, a live like composition that you're creating, or is that like a pre-recorded? So it was it was mostly um, Scott and Sam who did the 
compositions for Inching Down, and then it was Sam who did the compositions for the other other spaces. Um, but they were all made. I suppose that was part of the process: was going recording the recording the impulse response, then going back into the studio to create like a because um, that would give you like a model or a what do you call it a, um, a kind of artificial effect in the space uh, no of of what the space sounds like so you could a simulation yeah of, of how that it would sound in that space um, and doing that kind of digitally but then how you would then go back to the space having created that as as a simulation but then actually playing it into the space so with the effect turned off on the digital version so then you're playing it dry back into that space so then when you hear it it's how it should actually sound in theory <laughs> i've got i've gotten very abstract i'm sorry <laughs> um yeah so yeah so that i suppose there's a whole kind of process to that but then that makes you know that that kind of ethos or there's something about like going and sensing you know sensing what a space is and then trying to then yeah then do something which is site specific or aware of that context and, and, and kind of drilling in. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was a really, really great project. And um, again, but just kind of doing stuff with mates, you know, that's my, <laughs> if there's one key takeaway, it's just, just find people that you like working with <laughs> and do and see, see what comes from it. Cause you can do sort of interesting stuff, hopefully. Yeah. To sort of jump, jump back to the day job. Yeah. Um, you, you ended up sort of leaving, uh, young Scott uh, uh, last year, yeah, um, and sort of come full circle back to what was interactive media design, uh -huh. and is now digital interaction design. Yeah, yeah. So I'm now working as a program director for digital interaction design um, up at Duncan and Jordanston, and yeah, so that's that's great because you know having done a few bits and pieces in terms of work and and practice, and and had some experience in other places. It's, it's been really great to kind of come back and 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 yeah work with um kind of a, you know some really yeah I, I suppose because the age difference now you kind of think like you know i'm i'm definitely not a young person anymore i don't fit into the 11 to 26 category for sure um but yeah so that thing of like yeah continuing to work with young people in a broadly in in terms of like students so you do get you know, more mature students as well which is which is really interesting because they've got different things that they bring to it um but yeah that i, I, I suppose it's the difference between uh, young scott it was mostly volunteers whereas at the university it's obviously it's students um but but then you get I think having a chance to sort of build up more of a kind of longer term um, kind of working um, kind of yeah kind of relationship that you do with as as you get to know um, different students over a few years potentially um, as they're kind of progressing through a course and helping to helping them to kind of back to that kind of empowering thing, but then understand what their options are and 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 where their skill set lays and where their strengths are and how they can kind of build on that and, and helping to build that up into something that's um 
yeah, like pursuing the things that they care about the most. Um, but whilst at the same time becoming, you know, uh, a designer, if that's what they want to do, but then also finding other things that they might want to kind of pursue as part of that. Yeah, so that's that's been, yeah, I suppose it's still kind of early days because I've been there since September, um, but in a sort of more of a long-term sense, kind of helping to shape what the what the program looks like and and yeah kind of influencing that because like i mean you're now actively involved in helping shape this next generation of of designers mm-hmm. uh, specifically interaction designers um but as you say they can sort of cross disciplinary and work in different fields but so what in your opinion what what are the important skills that any sort of young designer should try to to work on and to build on and to create for themselves mm-hmm. I, you know i suppose we go would would take it back to some of the values that we have um with in kind of social digital and so we've got this kind of focus on this people um design technology and place um so just understanding i suppose as a designer where your strengths lay across those different values and and then playing to those strengths as much as possible, um, you know. So you know, design is always going to be a big under um, undercurrent, or you know, uh, the foundation that people are going to need. But then also thinking about yeah, how technology kind of plays into that, and having some level of ability to. Um, hack something together and make it work or make it look like it works um so you can convey like an engaging experience to to people um whether that's the your kind of target audience or whether that's your client or you know so so i suppose that's you know like just understanding yeah where your strengths lay and playing to those strengths as much as possible and i mean i've I've done a few sort of chats or presentations with the students. Yeah. Um, and there's sort of, you recognise there's common themes that come back in the, the sort of the questions they ask or the things that they're looking for going forward. And often it's this sort of, um, the balance between learning actual digital skills in specific software. So say things like um, coding or Photoshop or, or that sort of stuff. Um, versus this ethos of you should teach the student the ability to learn on their own um, and I kind of feel like the students always want more of the skills based stuff uh-huh. but then the universities tend to push more of the sort of theoretical um, here's how to apply those skills and so I, I sort of wanted to get your feel on how do you create a, a good balance between the two I suppose it's yeah, getting some opportunities for the sort of practical application of some of the theoretical stuff, uh, you know. So that's so uh, you know I think they do go hand in hand. And as you know, I've been spoken about kind of empowering, empowering young people, but yeah, but, but empowering people to learn and and being able to um, have you know a, a really good understanding of what's come before. Um, but as a way to then 
um, kind of bringing your own ideas and 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 helping to make that yeah make that tangible. So that's where the skills come in is 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 having that sense of you know like okay so I'm I'm really good at um, making little physical um, prototypes. So how how can that offer value as part of the kind of design process? I think the the workshop facilities that they've got at Duncan and Johnston that was I, I suppose that's another thing that kind of almost enticed me back into because be, being somewhere where there's those kind of resources and the kind of technicians that all support you to kind of go through that. Um, so seeing that that would be available for the students to 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 turn their ideas into reality that was something that was that was really um you know there's not a lot of places really that you can do that you know outside of outside of an art kind of college institution you know there was a big push around kind of maker spaces a few years ago but that feels like that's like the momentum of that feels like it's it's died down a little bit which is unfortunate um, and I, I hopefully it's going to kind of come back and have a bit of a resurgence. Yeah, I almost wonder if that's going to sort of move into the home. Yeah. Um, as you said, I don't know if you saw the, the project that IKEA launched. Um, I can't remember the studio. It was a collaboration with a, a sort of um, audio and, and lighting, audio visual studio, um, where you can 3D print these um, casings and parts for the the components for these like. Um, it's basically speakers and lighting systems so like essentially you could have your own little sort of um, party set up yeah. in the home but you can 3D print elements of that and bits of that to complement and to add to the stuff that you can buy from Ikea Yeah, and it's that sort of it's starting to move into that um, realm of you have a 3D printer at home you just buy the plans and print it and then you have the product yeah yeah no i think that's a really kind of exciting space is that yeah and then there's there's a kind of element of just like making hacking or personalization of your of your sort of more mass-produced things um and but yeah giving that giving people the ability to do that yeah so so yeah that's something that i can kind of see students having a really strong grasp of the potential of that way of working and and how that can be brought into their kind of design um thinking and their kind of process and and stuff like that so that's some some somewhere that um yeah i'm kind of super excited about and where that goes to next and i mean how do you keep on top of that as a sort of delivering a course so that the landscape of it changes so like rapidly the, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the, the technology the developments everything within that um so, yeah how do you keep on on top of that and deliver making sure that what you're delivering is relevant to to the students and then to to what they're going to do once they go out the door sort of thing yeah uh, you know I, I think it's just about keeping um keeping kind of conversations going with you know industry people so making sure that so what you're producing in terms of um like the the well not all of the modules are industry focused but there are there are some which have got that so 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 in order to do that having some level of relationship with um people that are working in industry and i, I suppose that's one of the great assets that we've got now um with it's a program that's been running for you know 14 
years. Even more. No, no, it's longer than that, isn't it? Six, 18 years, if, if you think about when it started. <laughs> um, but, you know, but then you've got this alumni. Uh, why? Okay, why I said 14 years, because it would have been 14 years of graduates out in the world. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this amazing alumni that have, and a, a network that have then kind of going off and doing interesting things. And you've got, you know, a really, you know, people that have maybe gravitated more towards bigger cities and and and, and doing doing work there and, and kind of engaging with, you know, quite big name clients and stuff like that. So you can bring all bring you know well we try to encourage that as much as possible though those if if there's opportunities for, you know, people like yourself to come 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 and talk to the students and and, and keep them up to speed on what's going on as well. I mean, you can interpret this question whatever way you like, uh, but what excites you about the future? <laughs> um, I think excite. Well, yeah, I suppose it's just a, a more of a personal interpretation of that. Is you know, I've got a small child now. <laughs> yeah, so just trying to. Um, think about how ways that he can grow up in a you know a positive environment that yeah where he can kind of learn interesting stuff <laughs> you know so that's you know like that is the future you know which i suppose is 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 very quite inward looking you know in a way but that's you know you know that's for me you kind of think about a lot about yeah like how how that can help to how you how you think he can have um you know the the kind of yeah i think that's that's one thing anyway that excites me about the future then there's you know you you could at the same time also be very very worried about the future with you know the climate emergency and 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 things like that that are are going on and just the state of like politics and and everything so that you know that's more not to be excited about but but then but given that that's happening like ways of use, using that as a you know as kind of adapting or or how people's kind of overall you know way of you know way of living can can be more kind of sustainable or you know, it's kind of going back to the things that matter the most. Uh, you know, so I suppose that links in with my, my, you know, family answer. But yeah, just getting back to sort of common values between people, um, and, and but then how you can use, you know, you you know, using like a, um, a course or a program or, you know, within within a, a kind of like higher education that enables kind of students to, to, to see that there's, you know, these, these things, this is how the world is developing or the world is kind of changing. So how they can create design that engages with that and, and offers some sort of critical lens on it or um, helps people to kind of see there's alternative ways that they might want to think about how they live their lives and and so using design as a way to do that 
Um, just before we finish up, um, could you recommend something you've been watching, listening to, reading recently? There's um yeah so there's a a book by Lou Down all about kind of designing good services, um which I've just recently purchased. I'm kind of looking forward to. It. I've got it you know ready to ready to kind of crack into. Um yeah so uh, there's a fair bit of I suppose there's a bit of like elements of what I was doing in my previous role around kind of service design and, and where that kind of can be powerful and sort of influential within the design of different types of services. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to, to getting stuck into that. Okay. Um, so if anyone wants to find you, uh, like, online yeah. and probably the Rosono project as well. Yeah, so there's uh, rosono.co.uk is where there's... Are um, there's kind of info about that project, so they can can find it on there. Um, and we've got you know some SoundCloud recordings of from the various locations, but then this should also be a link to the Bandcamp for um, getting interested in the record. Um, and then and then then just Twitter. Um, I'm kind of at Peg is my sort of main presence online at the moment. It's one of those. Um, one of those things that I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of getting a bit more of a sort of online web presence, but I've had various states of that over the years, as you can imagine. So at the moment, I don't have my own website, but Twitter is is where where, a, where I'm at at the moment. A three so. letter Twitter handle as well is quite uh, <laughs> sought after. <laughs> yeah, I was I suppose an early adopter. Um, I think I just. I think it was just when Twitter was launched. Um, I just saw saw something about it, so I just signed up straight away and then left it for a couple of years and then came back to it and I was just like, oh, yeah, beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks very yeah. much. Thanks, Ryan. So that was Paul. Thank you very much to him for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. Um, yeah, do go and check out the Rosano project for sure. Um, yeah, the link is in the show notes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it for this week. Um, I will be back. Hopefully, well, I say I will. I'll hopefully, be back next week with a an internet based recorded episode. So same format, but I'll just be doing it remotely um, with a guest. So hopefully that all goes well and if so you'll have another episode next week um yeah but if you don't already it's at ccc dundee on twitter and on instagram and you can get us on spotify um or just ask your fancy pants smart speaker for uh creative chit chat dundee and you should get it but yeah until i have another episode this year which will hopefully fingers crossed be next week bye